Hi and welcome. My name is Ali Hart and I am the host of this podcast and you're listening and watching How to Build a Creative Business in a Noisy World. I really hope you enjoy the episode. Hi and welcome. So today I have Gareth and Johnny. I know that a number of you had said about my I was featuring on their podcast, which is Greenways, and uh, I have talked about my faith here on the platform pretty uh, recently, but also have touched on it. And now I believe that that's part of me. That's part of the branding that I have. So I'm really excited to be able to open up the the door a little bit more on that. And um, one of the verses, oh dear, is it Hebrews? Maybe the guys could help me out in this is uh, faith is to believe in the things we hope for and to be sure of the things we cannot see. And for me, that's like a seamless link to creativity, to the path that we as creatives are carving out. But I know that there are a number of you are not creatives and are listening to this because you really enjoy the interviews and it's lovely to have you. So today I know we'll be able to touch on great things which will stir up a little bit of a conversation in your own head or with people who you know listen to the podcast too so without further ado I will let the guys introduce themselves Gareth do you want to go first yeah Ali thanks very much for having us on it's a bit of a treat here to hang out with you and your your followers my name is Gareth McLean I am the the minister the pastor in Orangefield Presbyterian Church which is an East Belfast on top of the Castle Ray Road and I'm husband to Lara, who is a social worker. I've got three amazing kids, Cara, Archie and Lily, and a dog called Brody. I don't know how much more you want or how much less you want. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we can delve in a little bit deeper. What about you, Johnny? Yeah, so, um, yeah, well, I'm Gareth's co-host on Greenway's podcast. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been part of the same church, actually, for most of my life. And uh, I live in... East Belfast with my wife Naomi, um, Naomi Campbell, actually. So, if if you're aware of the significance of that, you're giving away your age, I think. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I work. So I work full time for Alpha HTB. So if anyone's ever heard of the Alpha course before, um, the Alpha course is uh, like an opportunity to explore the big questions of life and God and faith and what Christians believe and why. Um, And then the way it works is you have something to eat and you watch a film. And then after the film, you get half an hour, 45 minutes just to chat about it. And um, it's actually designed for people outside the church. So um, yeah, it's a very kind of open friendly informal sort of experience and like around the world millions millions of people mm-hmm. have have tried it um so I, I I lead there except you Ali yeah. yeah I know so many of my friends who yeah. don't necessarily uh, go to a church or they're they're mm-hmm. questioning their faith they rave about it so that's why I'm really excited to talk about that today yeah like I haven't I mean obviously I'm gonna say this you know I'm I'm sold on it but uh I, I have met very, very few people, if any, I don't think I've met anybody in person who has been on Alpha and not enjoyed it, you know, mm-hmm. even, and people are coming from every kind of background, no faith, half of faith or, or lots of faith, you know, and um, I think universally people discover that it's actually really fun. It, it's still really fun to make friends and talk yeah. about these things because we don't, yeah. we don't have permission to talk about them that often, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, so yeah 
Brilliant. And also, um, also, even you're talking about new friends and all. Like, I, I, I've been looking at like where people spend their time, who your friendship groups are, and and that is one of um, it must have been someone we were with recently having. They were walk- out walking with them and the kids, and they'd said, "Oh, well, we met them through Alpha." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And what about then? So, if we are kind of get straight into like the journey, Garth, that you have taken, I, I don't. So my uh, pastor minister, we say of our church is Ivan Steen, who I know that you know. Good friend, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so his, <laughs> I should have him on actually to talk because his is a very creative path. He's a dentist and he worked abroad and different things. What about you? Was it kind of a straight path? Did you believe like it was a kind of old school calling, or how how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, yeah. I know when I was five years old, I was preaching for the. Fa- no, I'm only joking. Not not at all. Not <laughs> everyone at all. else is on stage, and Gareth has a Bible in the. Yeah, no, I have to be honest, nobody's more surprised that I'm a minister than I am. Um, he surfs, I, by the way, everybody. I remember this, someone picked up on this <laughs> on your podcast. They're like, yeah, oh, that's surf. right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Badly, badly. I run better than I surf and I drink coffee better than I do either of those. <laughs> um, yeah, so my journey into ministry, um, I studied business and IT through school and university mostly because I, I could and I, I didn't find it that challenging and it mm-hmm. provided an opportunity to play rugby and to surf and to be with friends and have that university experience. But coming towards the end of uni, I, I realized pretty quickly that I wasn't going to go into that kind of corporate world. Okay. And so I had the chance when my mates were all doing a placement from university working, I had the chance to go and study business in the States on a scholarship. And I went to Kansas, Wizard of Oz country. And it was a Christian school and I picked up some theology and did a bit of youth work at the local church. And probably in that season, God started to take hold of my life and say, actually, this is what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I came back from the States, graduated and got a job as a youth worker at a church in East Belfast and did seven years just getting alongside young people and just getting into their world and pointing them towards God and, and just helping them navigate those teenage years. And, and the longer I did it, the more opportunity I had, not just to spend time with them and learn their story, but also with their parents and their grandparents and, and my love for people and being with people uh, and helping people to make sense of their life and to yeah. see how their life and the story that God was telling came together and connected um so it, just over time I, I i grew into i guess the job i'm doing now and um, did you meet your wife during that time ha, that's a great st- question as well um my she's wife a social I, worker you were saying is that yeah, right yeah yeah she's so social. i guess both working well youth work you know there's yeah, this yeah. understanding yeah. of the each other's field no our paths had intermingled and crossed since we were tiny tiny kids okay. our dads worked together um down in county armagh uh, but there's four and a half years between Lara and myself. Okay. And so in school years, that's like a whole lifetime. You don't talk to somebody who's four and a half years younger than you in school. Um, so I went to university and I was graduating when she was starting. And the small group that she was part of was organizing an event, a barbecue on the beach to invite friends along to. And they invited me to come along and speak about Jesus. And then I ended okay. up back at uh, a mutual friend's house afterwards drinking coffee and we started talking and the rest is history what's wonderful though I, I i maintain i'd never met lara uh before that night and yet there's a photograph of her as a baby 
at a Christmas party in her mum's ours, going up to see Santa, and I'm in the background of the photo, fighting with my sister, probably. Wow, that's so, beautiful. Yeah. And um, in terms of hindsight, just to get straight in, would you see God? Well, I know that you, I know the answer to this. God was in that. God was part of that. Yeah. Your relationship and you being there at the right time. You know, some people don't necessarily believe that God was in it, but they'll say, oh, timings and oh, you know, the universe. Mm. Like, what's your take on that? Yeah, so I, I, I don't necessarily believe that every single detail in my life is predestined. Um, I think there's, a, there's this, these parallel lines between a, a sovereign God who is telling his story and bringing things to a, a good place ultimately, um, yeah. and the element of free choice that we have as humans and the, the free choice that I have. I, I can choose to do things that align me with God's plans and purposes as I see them, or I can go off and do my own thing. Um, okay. So is Lara the only person that God had ever planned for me to be with? I, I, I don't think I believe that. I, I think he opened doors and I walked through them. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm in a Did good she like now. what you preached that day? <laughs> I, I don't think either of us could remember what I preached that day. <laughs> and Johnny, what about you then? So Alpha is not like something you go to uni and oh, I'm assuming so. Uh, did you study? Not that I, as people know in this podcast, I don't actually care for ticking the boxes in education and creative. Like mm. it, it's always what if you're a hard worker that I like, but what way, what path did you take to get to where you are? Yeah. So, um, well, I went to Grosvenor in East Belfast and, okay. and really enjoyed it, especially my, especially my last couple of years there really enjoyed it. And, um, I love I'm from a, Some people did. Yeah. I love school. Yeah. I, I, I'm caught in this place. I, I, I do think that some some people never leave school in the sense of like, you know, it, it, it's it's always a hugely significant thing in their life. And, and I do think it's healthy to grow up. But but at the same time, I still miss school in many ways. Um, Did you peak yeah, in school, I, Johnny? <laughs> Just kidding. So, uh, <laughs> might have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like somewhere around 16, 17, I, I was very happy in school. Um, but I'm from a family of English teachers. Mm-hmm. So I always like, I, I always liked writing um, and I did I did kind of three essay writing. I did four essay writing A-levels and then I went to, um, I actually went to the law school at Queen's and um, the law school at Queen's, my first year at law school in Queen's was probably the most difficult year of, of my relatively short life in that um, it was it was probably the only time in my life where I experienced significant regret. You know, okay. I remember thinking I've, I've made the wrong choice here. Um, and then I came to a real crossroads and I thought I, I really need to pull the trigger. I need to go in completely the other direction or I need to finish what I started. And I actually spoke to a few people who were a bit older and wiser than me. And I just needed one person to say, drop everything and, and go and do something else. And every one of them said, finish what you started started right so I, I made this I made this little commitment in my car one day driving down to Queens like I'm gonna finish this law degree if it kills me and and in the end um I had a fantastic year out I lived in France for a year and then I really enjoyed wow. my final year right so um, France? I was in Lyon okay um and I still miss it I still think about it all the time um I just had an amazing year there and then I kind of knew I finished that law degree and I knew the whole time that after that I would um, study theology as a postgrad and I would I would work in the Christian charity sector. I okay. um, I had a 
an experience when I was 16, when faith went from being something that was black and white to something that was like in full color. Um, and it happened in an instant, actually. And uh, yeah, it felt like my my faith, which was very two dimensional, was suddenly in 3D and it was suddenly very real. And I, I actually felt in that moment when I was 16 that I, I kind of knew I would work in, in something ministry related for the rest of my life. And so that's the direction I went in. Um, after I, I finished at law school and studied theology as a postgrad. Um, yeah, I knew I knew I would work in the church or for the church or through the church somehow. And um, I just didn't know what my job title would be. And I didn't I didn't feel called to be a parish minister, but I didn't feel that I wanted to be a youth worker either. Okay. And that that that, that, that or probably missionary, you know, like missionaries another yeah. I always yeah, thought I just, we would do that. It just didn't really, you know, I, I probably ruled out some of the most obvious options. And then I was, I was at, I was at an event once and somebody felt that they had heard from God for me and, and approached me completely like out of the blue as a stranger. And they said, Johnny, I think, I think God has a job for you to do that doesn't have a job title um, that will actually involve lots of different things. And you won't, you won't really be able to put a title on it. And it was as if that just like, it just fitted really well with the, sort of the story that God was writing in my life. And that's, that's kind of how I've ended up in Alpha. Cause I, I sort of serve the church in a variety of ways, but it's quite, it's quite a wide remit in Alpha in, in the sense of I work with people outside the church and inside. Uh, yeah. I work with churches of all different denominations. And then I do a bit of serving in Orangefield, but then I do quite a lot outside as well. So and that's, that's, with what Gareth was saying there about doors, do you, was Alpha a door then for you or was you looking for that mm. or what would you say? How did that come about? I, I, I'm the same as Gareth, Ali. Like I, I used to I used to believe in a micromanaging God and I just <laughs> I've lost my faith in the micromanaging God. I, I think um, love that I, line. That's a great line. Yeah, I just I've come to believe that God probably trusts me more than I realize and mm -hmm. like as well as me having faith in him I think I think I've I've come to believe that he has some faith in me too that, that I can make the right decisions that I can express my passions and interests in the right channels you know and I think as life has gone on yeah it's just it's it's so funny like even my wife and I are trying to make decisions at the minute about our our house and looking at other other options and I just don't, I'm not sure I believe anymore that God wants to micromanage that process. I'm, I'm open to his voice and his insight, but I think more often than not, he puts the ball back in my court and says, Johnny, what would you like to do? Isn't that, I um, love that he's too. More, yeah. yeah. He's more artist than mathematician. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I agree. Yeah, and I, I was uh, I was either I was listening to Steve Furtick or I was reading in one of my daily things can sound really holy here i've been been on track recently um but one of them was saying you we we think of god as this like big harsh you know um strict you, you have to do this you have to do that and it doesn't but actually it's like god wants a friendship with us and wants there to be a bit of a push pull as you say to be so do you think then that it's the faith is the can you could you summarize faith uh Gareth no could you you know because everyone has to have faith in a day that you have to have faith that well you know people that, that you're going to get a job or you're going to have to believe you know so people talk about manifesting and talk about meditating and mm -hmm. um, 
is it wishy-washy like that or what would you how would you summarize a day-to-day faith when you get up in the morning do you go to bed at night 2000 years of church history in the next two minutes yeah yeah, (laughs) i don't ask for much i don't ask for much um yeah for me it is about an awareness of the presence of a god who is both creative and compassionate with me in every moment and it's trying to cultivate that awareness that i am not simply here as a a self-centered selfish um entity in this moment so um when i read the bible the, the first two things that burst out to me about god are firstly his creativity mm-hmm. um and we see that in the book of genesis and, and then when god speaks and says who he is to moses he, he says i'm compassionate it's the first thing he reveals about himself and that creativity and that compassion um i i think define god really really well and, and for me personally, what that looks like is I'll get up early. I have three kids in the house. My house is carnage most of the time. Yeah. And the only quiet space I can get is first thing in the morning. Um, and I, I guess some of your listeners might talk about meditation or mindfulness. We just call it prayer in Christianity. And I will either go for a walk or I'll sit in a, I have a chair in my living room uh, that kind of looks out into the back garden and I'll, I'll sit there. And I just try to become really still and aware, not just of myself, but also of, of God with me. This God who is both good, loving and present. And then I'll be read scripture and I'll read it as a, a two way conversation. So I'm not just reading a book, but I'm actually talking. And like that. Yeah. God. I'll do it over coffee. And I'll start my day with that. I'll finish my day with something similar, um, a, a short time of prayer, just reflecting back on the day. You know, where do I need to say sorry to someone or to God where have I experienced goodness this day where have I felt anxiety either in my mind or my body what have been the reasons for that where has God obviously been with me and where have I missed him throughout the day and just that little bit of self-reflection at the end of the day mm-hmm. and, and then the, the rest of the day is just made up a very short prayer arrows mostly saying god help <laughs> yeah prayer arrows yeah well we, we discussed on your podcast as well about how um it's only when you i think lives that's why i talked about a noisy world and i know we're in people's ears now and thanks for listening everyone but it's um i feel it was johnny you were talking about the uh being at summer madness and the person drinking mm. water and how you were there and you maybe didn't notice that at the time and i think my response to that was I believe that it's only in the still that you see the connections. So my mom, mm. uh, her church isn't open again. And it was dad's, well, dad's dad died on 30 years ago on Monday past. We were recording this. Oh, wow. um, but the day before that, if you go by the years was the day he was buried. It was on a Sunday and mom's minister, totally different minister. Didn't know dad, didn't know anything. Um, preached on the same verse mm. in, out of John that was at dad's funeral and it was like this really gorgeous moment of well that's god mm-hmm. and it's only whenever you you know mommy we got her tapped into her zoom and whatever to be there and that and it's like her as having time with my brother three of us at the grave which we never do and just that moment of her saying do you know what that was today so do you do you see that as well in the sort of when you allow yourself time to see things on managed but to see god in the making of your day johnny yeah yeah um i think uh certainly in the last three or four years i think as i journeyed through my 20s somewhere towards the end of my 20s i 
I became aware that the patterns and rhythms of my life were totally unsustainable and that um, actually the, you know, to, to find like stillness and soulfulness and thoughtfulness and reflection in life now is a, is a, is a huge um, battle. And it's something that I think you have to be very intentional about. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do believe in a, in a God who, is often more in stillness and in quietness than in the spectacular things um, yeah. and the noise of life. And then, um, yeah, just just having come through Easter, you know, I, I pro- probably my favorite story in the Bible actually is of the the risen Jesus after Easter. Who um, I always have this sense that if I was the choreographer for the resurrection, I would have had the red arrows, the Belfast Community Gospel <laughs> Choir, like pyrotechnics probably held it down at the Odyssey somewhere. Um, but Jesus like barbecued some fish for yeah. his pals because they were traumatized. And I just always had this sense that like um, my spirituality as I get older has become more about food, time, slowness, mm-hmm. friendship, um, than it than it used to be. It used to be more about noise and events and and uh, spectacular things and um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm what, like I'm going to be 32 this year. <laughs> I'm not yeah. I'm not as old as Gareth, but um, <laughs> thanks. I do still <laughs> I do see like a slowing down of my spirituality for sure. Um, yeah. and, I, and I'm and, I, and I'm finding God in the midst of that. Um, and some days I still spend three hours on my phone, you know, and, um, so that's what I was going to say yeah. about, um, is the talking about spirituality and how, so God, Jesus with the fish and, and barbecuing mm. after, um, yeah. I was thinking, I think a lot about Jesus and him, I'm I'm interested in what your experience as being a Christian or having faith was growing Mm. up through that because I was never very good at being in the Christian bubble. Like I loved it. I thrived on it. It was great. But I always had uh, non-Christian friends. I was traveling. I I guess there was that um, running away from Jesus in a way. And I remember um, someone saying to me, you're not running away. Jesus still, you're still in a little shoestring. There's still a connection Mm. there. But um, did you do you feel that you are where you are today, Gareth? Because were you surrounded by only you know was was everything that you did based around the Christian? Maybe it's a Northern Irish thing. Maybe I'm projecting a little mm. bit, but uh, you know, was it a safe zone all the time, or you know, because I guess I look at Jesus how I look back on it now and think he was in the temples, he was with the lepers, he was with. Mm. The people he was having these, as you say, gentle discussions with people, as well as on a big scale. Yeah, so I, I guess for me, growing up, um, my so interesting story. Uh, I, I know you shared some of your sort of background and journey uh, on our podcast when you were on, but I grew up in a house where we were all kind of nominally just about Northern Irish Christians. You know, went to church <laughs> a couple of times a month. Um, you know, went to Sunday school sometimes, but it was always an event kind of yeah. thing. And when I was probably 10, 11 years old, my grandfather had seven heart attacks in yeah. a couple of days and was rushed into Craigavon Hospital. And like, I was pretty young. We didn't know what was going on, but my mom recounts the story and her and her sister were told that critically ill is not going to live through the night. Mm-hmm. And my mom sat at his bedside throughout the night and she wasn't a Christian, but she, she, she knew enough of what it would look like to pray. So she, 
she prayed somewhere in the middle of the night when nobody was about God, if you um, just heal my father, my grandfather, um, I'll give my life to you. I'll become a Christian. And she sat with him all night, weeping and praying this prayer. And in the morning, the doctors came in and said, we, we can't explain this, but he seems to have stabilized. We think he's probably going to live. And so mom phoned our minister at the time and explained the story and said, I think I want to become a Christian. And it's kind of, as a minister, it's the dream phone call. Yeah. So um, he came around, they talked and read some stuff and he prayed with her and she gave her life to Jesus. And then that changed the trajectory of our whole family. Within a short time, my sister and I had both become Christians. Probably about 10 years later, my father had as well. And, and so church became sort of less optional, more substantive in, in mm -hmm. our lives. Mm -hmm. But then growing up as a teenager, I played rugby, I played a lot of sport, and I, I probably lived the old Northern Irishism, a foot in both camps. I feel like I had Christian friends who, who grounded me a little bit, but I kept pulling away, going in the other direction. And it, it was absolutely relationships with people, older Christians, more mature Christians who, who just seemed to gently bring me back. There was one guy, Kenny Hooks, who was a maths teacher, rugby coach, elder in my church, who I'm pretty sure I came out of school as a Christian, largely because of Kenny. Um, at university, you know, my, my life at university was, you know, I was in the CU one night and Kelly's the next minute um, and, and going full steam ahead in both environments. And at the end of my first year, there was a, a girl who was the president of the CU who, who said to me, can I bring you for a walk on the beach? And I'm thinking, happy days. She's really attractive. This is really, really exciting. And um, so we're walking the mile and a half down Port Stewart Strand and the whole walk down, she's trying to work up the courage to start a really hard conversation. And I'm thinking, when do I hold this girl's hand? Mm -hmm. And we got to the rocks down at the far end of the strand. And she said to me, Gareth, God's given you all these gifts. He wants to use you. But because of the way you're living your life, he, he can't. Okay. And you need to make a choice here and now whether you're going to live for him or live for yourself. Yeah. And you know, it, it's moments like that of people who were a little bit more mature than me in the faith, who were close enough to me to have a friendship and permission to speak into my life and who had the courage to do it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and those are the moments I, I would look back to and chart as mountaintop moments yeah. in my life. I find even now, I, I find we have friends who are a little bit further ahead as well and in terms of their journey and their uh, age. But they are are brilliant. For, it feels like you can, when you have those people, and they don't even realise half the time, I guess, that guy, Hooker, Hooky, probably didn't, it's, it's, you know, not necessarily. And what about you, Johnny? Your Grosvenor then was there, like, I don't know, is it, what's it called, SU? I wasn't very mm -hmm. aware of that in school type yeah. thing. Is that, yeah. I never um I never went to SU I'd say at uh, half three when the last kind of like, nine was over I'm out of here like there's there was nothing that was going to stop me from getting out of there so um I didn't really I wasn't really part of it I like Sam I say Adam, I, as you mentioned before so yeah. that have been an annual event it was but wasn't it so cool to be like just different almost like camp it was there were so many elements to that which just made sense to me yeah it was a great experience and I probably a bit like Gareth I had a really solid Sunday school education and and just all of the different elements of the kind of cultural religion that Northern Ireland's very familiar with um and I'd been given all the facts 
And as I, I say sometimes on Alpha, um, I think people need to know that it's true. Uh, and I, I was probably weighing up as a teenager, is all this stuff that I've been taught true. But I think people more importantly need to know, is it real? Like, are, are those facts making any kind of difference in anybody's life, you know? And then, um, yeah, is it is it true and is it real? And I think when I was 16, 17, I started to discover the reality of it. I'd been taught a lot about the truth of it and it didn't really make any great difference in my life, if I'm honest. And then 16 or 17, I discovered like the reality of faith and just what a, a huge difference that was making in my life. Like I was becoming a different person and it wasn't through the power of self-help. It was something external to me. This presence that had come into my life was changing me from the inside out. And I was trying to explain to my folks that something was going on in my life that you know, I was trying to, I was trying to give words to something that was actually about power you know this kind of um extraordinary power and presence of God was was changing me and I didn't really have the language to explain everything that was going on but I, I recognized something was happening you know so, so that was your 16 17 mm -hmm, yeah and your friendship yeah. groups then what would that have, what would your weekend have looked like <laughs> yeah oh man it was it's so funny I mean I, I was the same I had, I had given up on church really and a few friends dragged me back into church and just through social connections and I, yeah. I was a very I'm a very self-assured person now I've just been really lucky that way but as a teenager I was very wobbly like not sure at all of who I was or who my friends were or what I wanted from anything mm -hmm. and yeah a few people from Orangefield actually dragged me back into the church community and I just would have uh, settled for a few friends anywhere that I knew for sure were my friends yeah so that's kind of how I I reconnected and then once I'd sort of taken the plunge in terms of throwing both feet first into the life of the faith community then my weekends every weekend I was I was chasing Jesus around the country like I would have been at a, a different church Friday night Saturday night Sunday um you're not just looking um, for a wife now is that not what they yeah it was a huge part of it it was a huge part of it yeah it really was um the, those were the two meanwhile, things meanwhile Gareth was in uh what do you call it in Port Rush Kelly's? And I was in the bottom I, of Belfast. Well, Sandy, Sandy Miller, <laughs> Sandy Miller, who um, who like was around at the start of Alpha, said that uh, God and and women are a very very powerful combination in terms of like motiv motivation, you know. And I discovered that as a teenager, <laughs> like I, part of my life was discovering this faith that was actually real and not just a sort of culturally religious thing. And then yeah. the other part of my life was trying to find a wife you know and I gosh I just found that um it was it was mostly getting uh, a female to agree to what I was suggesting in terms of going out somewhere or like starting a relationship I found that the most difficult part you know I had all the enthusiasm but none of the sort of <laughs> none of, it wasn't being reciprocated on their end <laughs> brilliant um you've just touched on their cultural and religious so I don't know if you watched the Nolan show last week. Uh, did, you, did you hear about it? Yeah, it was um, it, yeah. discussing Christianity. And one of the things that Father Darcy was talking about was, you know, well, my Michael puts it quite well. He would say, don't judge Christianity by its members. Uh, yeah. So I yeah. think religion in Northern Ireland is, ugh, it's because I have a lot of listeners well in the States, but 
religion in Northern Ireland is contentious, I guess, and some people who don't necessarily share Christian faith look at that and see it's one mm-hmm. way or the other linked to that. Have you any views on that, either of you? Re- like religion, Ali, I, I think religion without the substance of true like living faith compassion for others a life that's being shaped by jesus if you take those things out of it and you just leave religion i think it's one of the ugliest things in the world i really do i know people in my life who, who are religious but are not like a pr- being apprenticed in the way of jesus or patterning their lives in the way of jesus they're just religious and I, they're, they're some of the like the ugliest kind of people and it's like the ugliest way of life that i've seen uh, and i think I think there's mountains of that in Northern Ireland, which is sad. And I think somebody like Stephen Nolan is talking about spiritual thirst and spiritual curiosity, but he has to fight his way through. Um, sometimes I think there's just so much of a hangover of that mm-hmm. to, to, to find the substance in the middle of it is hard. But I, I do think when people explore to the point of finding that substance and the real christian community in the heart of the church like it's life-changing that's i've seen that over and over and over again on alpha mm-hmm. but you got yeah I, I was listening to you you said about michael saying um don't judge christianity by its members gandhi said something very similar uh he said you probably it's my, he's probably just quoting gandhi let's be honest but yeah. he or, just or, said or, that on saturday night <laughs> or, or or vice versa who knows but, uh, <laughs> uh you know gandhi said um you know i I, I like your Jesus, just not your Christians, because um, there's this massive gap. Uh, and in some ways, we shouldn't be surprised by that because we're, we're human. Like we, we all have our stuff. We all have our baggage. The, the problem is when Christians either when Christians masquerade as being perfect or being self-righteous or being like at a higher moral plane than everybody else, uh, we, we come crashing down. And when people maybe outside the church uh, or on the fringes of the church expect Christians to be better. Like our, our stuff's every bit as messed up and broken. Um, mm-hmm. The only difference is we, we, we have found a God who, who loves us and forgives us and is gently putting us back together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's something about that. I, I think for anybody who's listening who has been hurt by a Christian or by a church, um, my, my suggestion is to open up the book of Matthew or, or Mark or Luke or John and, and have a look at Jesus and start there and mm-hmm. don't throw, for lack of a better term, the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just to shift gear then slightly. So because I'm encouraging people to build a creative career and mm-hmm. um, to be strong in their creative career, one thing that I find and still find a little bit difficult is the, the money side and the success side, because I'm obviously telling people, keep going, keep going and, and be present. Um, and the, the whole branding side of things, this personal branding that I very much believe in mm-hmm. is, is about you believing in yourself to move forward to, to be successful. Um, but I can see now after 11 years that finally it actually works. Right. But there were so many years of it, of it, of it, of it not working. And it felt like it was just, what's the point? Do you believe, or do you, what, what are you, your views on, it's not necessarily success, but uh, money, 
I don't mean tithing, but I mean income. So for I saw said of Michael, you know, you went into teaching and from day one you had this income and that's what it was and nobody questioned it. Mm. Whereas, you know, if I utter the words of my mom that I sold a painting for whatever, I know that she still ooh, shudders. So I don't know whether that's her growing up on a pig farm and then when daddy died, you know, she was on her own. But so then maybe that's not even to do with religion or sorry, Christianity. But do you have any take on that success, money, you know, God, God's view on being successful so in the physical sense sorry yeah. sorry yeah so <clears throat> there's a story in the bible um about uh, a kind of a, a master a property owner who's going off on a journey and there's three sorry i'm not preaching anybody i'm just i, I don't mind this, this is it use the platform any platform <laughs> <girl>. <laughs> um and he's, he's got these three people working for him and he says to the first one he gives uh you know maybe 10 talents 10 bags of gold whatever to the next one he gives five to the next one he gives one and um, it says he gives to each one according to their ability you know so the one who was given 10 obviously has more ability to steward that and use it well and the story unfolds that the one who got 10 uses it really well invests it really well and when the master comes back it's doubled and when the the one who got five again uses it really well, invests it really well, and it doubles. But the one who's given one hides it in the ground, doesn't use it, ignores it. And whenever the master comes back, he gives the one back. And uh, this, this whole thing plays out about, and, and the story is essentially about, you know, God has given each person different gifts, different abilities. You know, I, whether or not you talk about money, and I'm talking about, uh, I, I guess, talents uh, and opportunities. And he's calling each person to be the best version of themselves they can be. And, and I, I believe that happens in friendship with him and relationship with him, mm-hmm. but, but we've all got talents and skills and there's something incredible. Like Ali, you're an artist. You know, if you, if you had to sit and be an accountant every day, you'd probably crack up. So you would, because you've been created to be an artist um, where somebody else is created to be an accountant. Somebody else is created to serve people. So they're working in Tesco's and, and I'm created to be a pastor. I, I know that deep in my bones and there's something incredibly rewarding to me and to others when I live within my design. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for me, mm-hmm. success is discovering who God has created you to be and then just going after that 100%. And, and listen, you, you don't get into ministry because you want to make a lot of money. Um, it's mm-hmm. Sometimes success is equated to financial reward, but often in this world, it's not because there's so much inequality. Uh, I, I think success is is discovering who you are created to be and then if possible, finding a way to spend as much of your time as possible doing that. Agree, I agree. Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, oh man, I have a ton of different thoughts. Um, I'm just, I think probably, probably something that has kind of guided my thinking on that stuff, success, money, um, sort of becoming a bit more established in life in terms of like, you know, property that I've taken on and um, yeah, <sighs> promotions that I've had in work and um you know I I would sometimes remember the the story of Jesus baptism where before he had kind of achieved anything that he set out to achieve or before he had entered into a life of ministry um God spoke this sort of affirmation over him and said I'm, I'm pleased with you just uh just by virtue of who you are um and I've you know I haven't always done that very well but I think I've always tried to be guided by that sort of affirmation that I think when you know when you have these anchoring points in your life and you know that the people around you love you and accept you and you know that 
that you're loved and accepted by God. I think there's a lot of freedom then to sort of express yourself and, and, and yeah, go after things, but not feel that they're the ultimate, if that makes sense. And, yeah, yeah. And I discussed happiness um, a lot uh, as well and how it happened. Because for yeah. me, I would always say that ultimately, I just want you to be happy. And same with the boys. And mm. I said, I want you to know Jesus, I want you to be happy. Um, the good thing I find with actually being a little bit more established, I probably should use that word than successful because it's a long way to go, but mm. is um, tithing for me. So figuring out we okay. do quarter, quarterly now and... I used to not even that long ago be just mm. I used to just decide I wanted to give a figure or whatever to the church because I was like oh I should really I don't have the money so I'll just be present and I'll do all the things and I'll do all the coffee mornings and I'll do I'll do all these free workshops and do things <laughs> but actually it, and it was brilliant it served a purpose but I was like exhausted for it so it's amazing mm. how um, when things change over time your role as well in in the in the, the church um just wanted to ask you a little bit about cre- creativity in the church not in the way that we were discussing on your podcast but how has the church shifted which is called the hindsight series so how, how mm. does the church look different to you now not even necessarily as a business the church is a business but it is a, a physical mm-hmm. space yeah. as well uh, how has that changed? How has online church served your what what does it look like now for you? Hey here, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, you go first. Neither okay. of you are obviously answered. No well, well, I've 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 been on like we've been on a bit of a journey, Ali. So like we would oversee um say 270, maybe 300 alpha courses a year in Northern Ireland. And then this time last year, we lost the ability to host those completely. So you're sort of left with um, very little at that point, actually. And we had this thing that was going on internally where we said we're going to have to innovate hard and adapt quickly. And I think we we saw this massive acceleration of creativity in the digital world, like many others. And we had this crazy idea this time last year that maybe we could invite people to do alpha entirely online. So you would meet 20 strangers that you'd never seen before in your life. And you'd watch, uh, you'd watch a 20 minute film, eat a bag of popcorn, have a coffee, and then you would chat about it afterwards. And um, it has been the most extraordinary year. Like wow. we have seen thousands of people around uh, Ireland and the UK take part on alpha and i've seen people experience a really i just have a really really positive really kind of life transforming experience on it and we went from this position where doing something like that creating community online having really rich conversation about faith online exploring faith online it just wasn't a thing for us this time last year and then by the end of the year it was like we had seen thousands of these uh, pop up around the country and different types of collaboration. Um, we saw church leaders who who were bivocational, working another job, taking it in and, and using it in their other workplace as well and inviting people to sort of watch these films and be part of the conversation as well in a, diff- a totally different context. So those who adapt ta- fastest, yeah. those who adapt fastest win. So that's yeah yeah I think I think that is true I think um we we realized very quickly we actually had a few people in the organization who even Christmas of 2019 
were saying this is coming and and we need to be ready and adapt and Mm -hmm. there were some within our organization who probably not laughed at them but sort of said no I don't think I don't think we need to worry about it and they were right so yeah (laughs) we couldn't have predicted you no. couldn't have predicted but also I don't know if you feel the same whenever I have people join the workshops I know it's a very different experience but mm. the fact that people give up their time to be mm-hmm. in that space online isn't that amazing like, I'm sure it still feels brilliant yeah it's really cool it's it's like <coughs> it give, I, I love it because it gives people a chance to actually contribute and to do something and I use this analogy all the time but the, the dead the dead sea is dead because there's only there's only content running into it and nothing yeah. actually comes out of it. And I, I think it's the same with faith. You know, I think over the last year, people have had this experience where just content is pouring into them. So they're watching it on YouTube. They're watching it on Facebook. They're um, getting it by email, marketing emails and all this content's going in, but it's got nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think you, you've, you've got to you've got to make sure your neighbor knows that they're loved and you've got to contribute to something around a sort of experience like alpha just so that your your faith is actually being practiced and yeah Yeah. it's being walked out so and there's sorry yeah no go ahead ahead. no they, they talk about uh psychologist was talking on a podcast I was listening to and they were talking about how we, we we can lose empathy so people who overshare online or whatever you know you you don't have mm-hmm. someone sitting so say mm-hmm. it's to, to 20,000 followers you don't mm-hmm. have someone looking you in the eye and saying I'm really sorry to hear that or do you think that's best that you don't share that how do you feel those relationships are um you know like prayers at the end of a service or whatever Gareth like how have things like that changed or do you think just the whole landscape is different for churches now yeah, there's been massive amounts of change, uh, Ali. Um, how, what we have done, we have we went into lockdown what fourteen months ago, thirteen months. I've, I've totally lost track. It feels like ten no. years ago. Yeah, I know. Now, um, but we went into lockdown. We had to adapt really quickly, and lots of churches tried different things, and lots of businesses tried different things, and uh, everybody has learned on the journey. We made a decision really, really quickly. Um, to say we did not want to lose the kind of live interaction aspect of a half 10 on a Sunday morning, uh, Orangefield Church family gather together. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we sacrificed quality um, to go for that live intentionality. So the whole way through at half past 10, I was standing in a building uh, initially on my own, um, which was just bonkers so weird, yeah. it was so weird um but <laughs> looking into a camera into somebody's mm-hmm. living room saying you're there i'm here we're here at the same physical moment not the same physical space but the same physical moment mm-hmm. in time um worshiping god together and the same god who is with me is with you um we we adapted what we were doing we changed how we prayed and actually learned loads about it and how to hold not, not just hold people's attention but to just I, I guess almost make them the minister in their own living room. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to pray. Here's three things to pray about. I'm going to give you space in the prayer. So rather than me fill it with my words, let me give you space to put your words into this. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest challenge we had, I guess, initially was you're asking people to engage in worship and connection through the same physical device and medium that they consume uh, Netflix yeah. on. Yeah. 
line and, of duty. And, and, yeah, well, that's it, line of duty. And we don't want church to be simply turn up and consume. Agreed, and, yeah. And the other challenge was people were sitting at home. Passive. Uh, you don't want to be passive, I guess, right? Yeah, and it's even, it's even worse than that because they become critics. Um, people were sitting at home listening to the sermon, listening to the song, talking to their husband, wife, kids, going, I don't really like that. I don't know. What do you think? Do you like his shoes? Do you like? And, and they're commenting on everything rather than actually worshipping and becoming aware of God's presence. And, and, and so we, we simply named that stuff and called it and said, guys, listen, it's going to be so easy for you to become critics of this. Uh-huh. I, I, I need you to be aware of that. And when that happens in your mind to just consciously name that lay it down before god and then move on with worship because everybody's experiencing this it's not just that um young people are loving the online because they you know stereotypically do digital better everybody is struggling with online no matter who they are Mm -hmm. so we had to learn that but there were some amazing advantages to it as well one of the things was we, we we as a congregation became much more present in our communities with our neighbors with our feet in the soil um, all of a sudden mission wasn't the thing we went and did for a week in the summer or the project we supported as you walk out the, the door, door isn't it absolutely your door. that's it you know we printed little cards you know, put these through the the person who lives to your left to your right and in front if you go put these through your letterbox and if are their letterbox and if they get covid symptoms and can't get out your phone numbers on it and then you can get their groceries for them mm-hmm. and with people uh, dropping hot meals off with people dropping boxes of donuts off with people picking prescriptions up and we weren't unique all over the place people were doing these things yeah. but we, we just learned what it was to become much more present yeah. in the community so we, we had to transition a lot of how we did church and think what are our values what do we want to be aspirationally and how do we do it in this moment in this season with all the restrictions that we have Brilliant. Guys, I absolutely love I could talk all day. It's very exciting um, for me to have you. Can we just, uh, can I ask you then, are you, well, I talk about hopes and dreams and we talk about what you're reading. Um, but lastly, how do you deal with fear? Does your faith come in just on a day-to-day basis? That can be whether you like are just not sure about the next decision you make with work or just any fear on any level I don't know fear of a large wave like I was swimming yesterday in the sea and there were big rolling waves but um how do you deal with fear in summary if possible Johnny (laughs) um I deal with fear I deal with fear by mentally running over the most important relationships in my life and just becoming aware of the security that they offer so that that, that's my relationship with God but it's it's actually a lot more than that too like I think about the families that we're attached to the close friends that we have uh, and I think about the extraordinary resources that are available to us through those relationships I find that very anchoring I find that very like settling um and then I don't, I don't think as a person, I'm like, I'm not super attached to the things in life that are sort of easily lost, you know, so I don't really have any great fear about losing things because I'm not that attached to them um, to begin with. And then I think as I've got a wee bit older too, and I've, I've headed, I've sort of headed off into my thirties, I think I handle fear by listening to my body and my mind a little bit better than I used to and sort of learning to accept my limitations, which is hard because I, I used to think I didn't have any. Um, like a sub 50, 10 K. Yeah. Or is that, is that still a limitation? No. So that's, I've achieved, I've achieved that, but uh, um, nice I, work. Yeah, I'll not, I mean, I see some friends running, 
uh, 5k in like 19 20 minutes I and i just have absolutely no concept of how that happens no probably i would need to drop about three stone for starters yeah. but yeah <sighs> what about you like Karen? any takes but but foods to be enjoyed i love food absolutely absolutely I, i'm i'm probably not great at looking at the limitations of my own body and um constantly <laughs> pick up injuries with these things um i fear fear is an emotion yeah um and I don't always want to be ruled by my emotions or governed by them. So I'll try and look at the factual aspect of it. Okay, I'm, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling panicky. I'm feeling uncertain. I'm feeling fear. Try to assess what the emotion is. And then why am I feeling like, you know, what, what power has this thing over me? So look at the factual aspect of it. And, um, you know, like if it's cliff jumping, yeah, that's just scary. You know, something could go wrong. Um, but if it's a hard conversation that I have to have or a new thing, like we launched a podcast a few weeks ago and, and that was scary thinking, you know, we're going to put ourselves out there, put our voices out there. And, um, you know, the, the worst thing is not that everybody listens and critiques it. The worst thing is that nobody listens. They are. Um, I can, I, I've accounted for a few of my friends. So I'll have this <laughs> <laughs> um, But it, it, it's Just trying kidding. to assess the, the, the kind of what are the facts in this? What, why are the actual reasons I would be scared or anxious about this? And do you and pray I, in fear? I yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I, I tend to do that sort of assessing thing first and then bring it to God and to say, um, is this something you want me to progress? Is this hard conversation? It's often a hard conversation. Yeah. Is this hard conversation something you want me to progress? What angle? How, how do you want me to address it? And, and then trust his voice, trust his leading. Brilliant. And lastly, what are you reading, if anything? <laughs> the, the book I'm reading I, I, pro, oh the bible I, come on it has to be the bible joking obviously it's yeah. the bible that's a given <laughs> well let, let's just take that for granted before we get red faces um <laughs> johnny and i both tend to have a number of books on the go at the same time we, we, we tease each other about it the best one Love i'm that. reading at the minute is a biography about eugene peterson who's the guy that wrote the message bible and tons of other books yes it's called a burning in my bones Okay. And it is absolutely, it's, it, it's like chocolate in your mouth. It's like running water. It, it's beautifully written. It's a great Could you story send that one life. to me? I would love to read that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I, I just finished a book Gareth gave me called um, Ultra Marathon Man, by a guy called Dean Karnazes, who ran 226 miles without stopping. So his kind of like, his masochistic approach to running is actually teaching me a lot about Gareth's mindset. And like what, like where, why he is the way he is. <laughs> he's, been, he's been reading. He's Have been you done a marathon yet? Have either of you ran a marathon? Gareth has run a few, haven't you? I've Have run you? four or five. I've run an ultra marathon as well. Yeah, it's the ultra that I like. A friend of ours just ran what from here to Coleray in there recently, and you're like, you nutter. <laughs> Great. I love. Well, I love. I would love to do a full marathon. I have the half marathon coming up. Are you doing it? Are you doing the Belfast half? Both of you know. No, I'm probably going to go back and do the Morn Wall in the next few weeks, which is 22 miles and taking in a bunch of the peaks there. So it's good fun. Running? Uh, Running, walking, crawling. Depends on what part of it is. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Um, Where can people find you? Where can they find us? In terms of the podcast, uh, we're Greenways Podcast. You can get us on all the usual platforms, Apple, Spotify, uh, all, all of those things. Um, Orangefield Presbyterian Church, we are online, but you can also book in and come on a Sunday morning and we would love you to come along. And if you're coming because you've heard this, speak to us and let us know you've come along. That'd be great. Mm. 
and, yeah. and Johnny Alpha. Yeah, so if if like Alpha sounds kind of intriguing, and you think, you know, I, I've always wanted to try something like that, then you would go to try.alpha.org or um, equally like all, all of our socials and even our YouTube channel. Like if you if you just type in Alpha Course or Alpha International, like our, our YouTube channel would give you a really nice flavor of it all. So um, yeah, yeah, no just matter where you are in the world, it's on. Yeah, well, that's the beauty of this too, is that we now, we've mm -hmm. broken down even more barriers of that. Just while you're talking there, Christianity Explored, I think that's the one we mm -hmm. did, is it? Yeah, and it's the guy, the rugby player, and what do you call it, the... Rico Tice. Um, Rico, Rico Tice, Tice, is that yeah. who it was? That was a yeah. brilliant one too, actually. And, you know, I think as well, even now you're talking about, well, I'm now late 30s as of Monday. Um, <laughs> I, I I would love to go back and be fed a little bit more like that. This discussion today feels like tapping into that. So thank you for joining me. Hopefully um, I didn't put you too much in the spot. I know that Gareth's like, do you want to uh, give me a heads up here? Um, <laughs> can you not tell I wing life here, Gareth? This is the... No, it's it's great. You know, I, I emailed Ali yesterday and said, Listen, Ali, you know, we do in our podcast to talk about <laughs> art and faith. And you've said to us, come on, we're church leaders, uh, Alpha Course coordinator. What do we know about creative businesses? But it's been really fun hanging out. So thank you yeah. for the invitation. Yeah, well, it's brilliant. And that's the beauty of running your own business. You can decide these things and navigate it. And it's really <laughs> been lovely. And it'll I know it will be, it'll be so insightful for people just to even hear that people maybe have never even heard of what we've just been talking about on any level so mm -hmm. i'm thankful for you i'm thankful that god even though he's not a micromanager uh placed the two of you in my path of late and um mm -hmm. anybody yeah you can subscribe so you can tap into the rest of the interviews and other little nuggets that i give but thank you for listening and watching and i'll see you on the other side Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, I would really appreciate some feedback or for you to hit subscribe so that you get all the content every week in your inbox. And if you would like to check out my website, it's alihart.com, especially if you were thinking about needing some mentoring sessions because I have openings coming up in the summer. Thanks for watching and listening, and I will see you on the other side.